Today on the Matt Wall Show, a Macy's employee was viciously assaulted on camera in a racially motivated attack, but uh, you haven't heard about it because the victim was white. Uh, but we'll talk about that today because I think it should be getting a lot more attention than it's getting. Also, five headlines, including a male transgender fighter bragging about how he enjoyed fracturing the skull of a female fighter. Um, plus, Teddy Roosevelt is the latest historical figure to get his statue torn down. And in today's daily cancellation, we're going to cancel Brett Favre for calling Colin Kaepernick a hero and comparing him to Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman, by the way, died serving his country. What did Kaepernick sacrifice for his uh, in order to serve his own cause? And what is his cause? Uh, we'll talk about that in the daily cancellation. All of it coming up. But first, today's show is brought to you by uh, Bambi. Look. It's it's if you want to have a, a good company, if you want your company to be successful, then you need to have a good HR department. Uh, when running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, uh, minimum wage requirements, labor labor regulations. There are all kinds of all the red tape and everything that you need to sort through. HR manager salaries also are not cheap. An average salary is going to be seventy thousand dollars a year in this country. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, -E, was created specifically for small businesses. You can get a dedicated HR manager. You can craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for just $99 a month. All right, So that's going to be a lot less expensive than what it would cost you to, buy, to, to uh, uh, pay for a full-time HR manager. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength, just like that. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business and they help you manage your employees day to day, all for just $99 a month. Go to Bambi.com slash Walsh right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Walsh, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Walsh. All right. Uh, welcome to the show. We are broadcasting live from our uh, summer cottage it's not really our summer cottage we're just renting it for a week but um and i couldn't find a good shot so i'm set up in the it's like a hallway but with a door behind but it's a nice door nice wooden door so you can see the kitchen back there uh very scenic scenic view you know um work it's it's kind of a vacation kind of a, a family vacation although i'm working so it's a work a working vacation but w whenever i go on vacation with uh, now that i have kids four kids I can remember being a kid myself and going on vacation with my parents, and I would always feel very upset and offended personally that my parents weren't working round the clock on vacation to keep me entertained because I figured this is vacation. I'm supposed to be having fun. So your job, mom and dad, is to make sure that I'm having fun all the time. And I can remember that. And I, I never understood why my parents got so angry with that attitude, and now that I'm an adult, I get it. I can see now because when I go on vacation, uh, I you know I can see. Yeah, my parents they they paid all this money, they drove all this way, they put all this effort into it. Meanwhile, they're the ones who actually need the vacation because they're the ones with all the responsibility. Like I'm a kid, I don't even need a vacation. My whole life is a vacation, um, and you know maybe they actually want to relax and I don't know enjoy the time themselves possibly. Uh, it turns out they don't want to spend the whole time being my personal concierge service or my personal entertainment coordinator. So I see that now because my kids do exactly what I did when I was a kid. And even though I understand because I did the same thing, so I understand where they're coming from, but I still react the same way my parents did. And that's the vicious cycle. It just goes on and on through the generations uh, and it cannot be stopped. Anyway, we're having a great time. Now, I want to start with a story uh, that 
would be front page news. It would be headlines on CNN. Uh, it, it would be talked about everywhere. This would be the only thing we were talking about for the next several days. Would be. And probably there'd be buildings being burned and protests and everything. Uh, if not for one little detail. There's one little detail about this story that makes it go from headline news to nobody cares. And I'll play the video for you. And uh, tell me if you can spot what that little detail is. Watch. Yes, the detail, of course, is the skin color. Reverse the races on that video and you have breaking news everywhere. You know, but as it is with a white man being the one brutally assaulted by a black man in the middle of a Macy's, nobody cares. No attention paid to it. Well, I should say, people aren't paying attention to it now. But when the video first surfaced, um, it got a fair amount of attention, most of it approving. Because here's, here's, here's the background of that video. The scumbag carrying out the assault there is apparently named Demir Palmer. And his brother, uh, DeMarque Palmer, is filming it. DeMarque also is uh, an aspiring rapper, it turns out. DeMarque posted a video on his social media initially, proudly, claiming that the man being attacked, who's a Macy's employee, said the N-word uh, in reference to them. And that's what supposedly led up to this assault. The, empl the employee called them the N-word, and then Demir assaulted him. And with that version of events, this video got thousands of likes and shares on social media, and most of the people sharing and commenting were approving of the assault. They were cheering it on. They were laughing. Now, before we get to the part of this story where it turns out that the N-word claim was a fabrication, it should be noted that even if he did say the N-word, that obviously doesn't justify physical assault. This is the kind of a thing, this is the kind of thing that shouldn't need to be explained. We, you know, it, it, I, I really shouldn't need to add this aside, but um, that is perhaps the most disturbing thing about this whole event is the apparent assumption by many people that a black person actually has every right to brutalize another human being if that human being says a bad word. I mean, what kind of absurdity is this? A person says a word and that gives you a license to commit a felony? How so? Especially when you consider that the irony is that the N-word was said about 15 times in that 18-second video, but all by the guy carrying out the assault. So again, this should not need to be said. But no, you don't have the right, nor are you morally justified in assaulting someone because they said a bad word. No, not at all. Not even a little bit. The brother, by the way, when explaining the thought process, um, he, was, he was interviewed by the New York Post and he said, quote, and just the fact of the remark that he said that we all heard, okay, and just what else are we supposed to do in this age and time? He didn't know what else to do. That was just his instinct, talking about his brother who's assaulting. What else is he supposed to do in this age and time? You know, in this age and time, if he, uh, if he hears a bad word, he just has to commit a felony assault. What, what else is he? There's, there's no other option. Okay, makes perfect sense. Thanks, DeMarquay. Now, DeMarquay claims that this all started when he and his brother were just innocently shopping together, going out, doing a little... Uh, just the boys on a shopping spree, little little boys' night out, and 
Demir says that he he put up he he took a, a shirt off the rack and he put it up to his he didn't put it on but he put it up to his to his chest you know, and he said to the employee who was on the phone, "Does this shirt look too little?" And then the claim is that the employee said yes, and then turned back to the person on the phone, and said to the person on the phone, "No one, just some n-word." Obviously, referring the person on the phone said, "Who was that?" And he said, "No one, just some n-word." Um, he, he claims that the Macy's employee said this in the middle of the store casually while they could easily hear it. Uh, and that is obviously bogus. Just before we go any further and get to any of the, the details, if you have a moderately well-calibrated BS detector, it should be going haywire from a story like that. Sirens going off, blaring, everything. Uh, the story is completely ridiculous. It, it, it strains believability that a Macy's employee would be that casually and openly racist on the job, and somehow this is the first time anybody noticed. So all you have to do is think, um, just you know, think about all the times a story like this has been proven fake, and weigh it against the likelihood that a Macy's employee would say something like that in that situation or any other situation. Uh, and then and then when you perform that calculation, you end up with, by my estimate, approximately a 99.9999999999% chance that the N-word claim is false. And uh, this was an unprovoked assault by two guys who selected the victim based on race and then assaulted him and recorded it so they could go viral as heroes for racial justice. A hate crime, in other words. Uh, a racially motivated assault, a hate crime. And yes, it turns out that's exactly what happened. Macy's has come out and said they investigated and can confirm this, this was an unprovoked attack. Attack, And we know we can trust what they say because now is not a time when corporations are willing to go out on a limb to defend white employees, especially a white employee who said the N-word. If they actually thought he said it, if they had any reason to think that he said it, you could, you could be damn sure they'd be throwing him under the bus in a second. But they're not. Um... Because, you know, they're going to have witnesses, they're going to have security footage, uh, not to mention, he, he's not going to be on a personal cell phone, he's going to be on a company phone, and those are probably going to be recorded lines. So if he was on the phone at all, which is possible he wasn't, and the security footage would tell them that, but if he was on the phone, they could just listen to the conversation and see what he said, hear what he said. Um, so any number of lines of evidence could easily reveal the truth of this situation. So Macy's testimony combined with the plain absurdity of the brothers' claims combined with the fact that they have no credibility at all because they are the assailants in this situation uh, make it very clear that this is what they said is not true. It's a hate crime. Not just a hate crime. They assaulted him and then slandered him on the Internet. They beat him down physically and then... They tried to ruin his life on top of it by putting the video online and saying that he said a racist word. So these are just two awful human beings. And this guy is a victim twice over. Yet, of course, the outrage is non-existent. That's because the left, as we have seen time and again, is not interested in racial equality, let alone racial unity. That's the last thing they want. This is, this is about, this is not about defeating racism or hatred or bigotry or intolerance. Everything we're seeing now, from tearing down the statues to the riots, uh, to the elevation of radical organizations like BLM, it's all about ideology. 
leftist ideology and the ideology in, in this ideology, the white man is evil. Always. All white men. Unless they're a communist um, or a gay rights activist. So those are the two exceptions. And I understand there's a lot of, of course, overlap in those groups that I mentioned. But with those exceptions, all other white men are evil. And it's really as simple as that. Inherently evil. You got to think if you're a white man by leftist ideology, if you're a white man, you're already inherently racist because you're white. And that applies to white women, too. Okay. Which is why, for example, when a white woman is beaten with two by fours at a, at a BLM protest, protest slash riot, which happened a few weeks ago, and there's video of that, no, no outrage over that either. That's another example of something. I mean, reverse the races on that. Just, just imagine. Imagine for a second. I mean, really try to imagine this. Try to imagine a video of three white men beating a black woman with a two by four. It, it would still be the only thing we're talking about. And, and that event would be used as proof of systemic racism for decades. They'd be going back to that for decades. Uh, yet it happens with, with, with the races how they are. And it's just, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate, maybe. Maybe not, but uh, we're, we're moving on. We're not, n- nothing, nothing to talk about. So I- you think about the situation a white man is in from the perspective of a leftist, inherently racist because you're white, toxically masculine because you're a man. So now this is a toxic racist person, every single white man, with the two exceptions I mentioned. So yeah, you, you could beat him up, you can kill him, you can do whatever you want. And it's it, it it's can't it certainly can't be a hate crime, um, and really it's not really a crime at all, at least morally. And this is, listen, this is not an exaggeration or hyperbole. This is this is really the leftist position. That for a long time they wouldn't state explicitly, but now they're starting to basically state it explicitly. And there is no other explanation for this dichotomy. For how, you know, a a video like the one that I just played for you could get no reaction from the left whatsoever. None. They just don't care, period. Why? Because he's a white man. All right, we're going to move on to um, headlines here. Number one, Fallon Fox. You You may remember the name Fallon Fox. He was the biological male MMA fighter who identified as a woman and was allowed to fight as one. And during his career, he uh, assaulted several female fighters. And this is assault. When it's a, a man in the ring doesn't belong there, then it's not just a fight. It's assault. He, he's, he fractured the skulls of at least one of them. Well, a few days ago on Twitter, if you're, if you're thinking that maybe he feels some remorse or embarrassment uh, after he's retired and it's been a few years looking back on it and thinking, hey, maybe I shouldn't have been in there with women fracturing their skulls. No, not at all. He's, he's still gloating about it, in fact. Uh, Here's a tweet from Fallon Fox that he sent out a couple days ago. It says, for the record, I knocked two out, two women, that is. One woman's skull was fractured, the other not. And just so you know, I enjoyed it. See, I love smacking up turfs. He misspells it. I love smacking up turfs in the cage who talk transphobic nonsense. It's bliss. Don't be mad. Okay, so to review on this, we've got a man talking about fracturing the skull of a woman and saying that not only did he enjoy it, but it's bliss. It is euphoria for him to to fracture a woman's skull. 
You think we're getting any get any uh, condemnation from uh, over this from the LGBT lobby or the media? No, of course not. Because you know this is it's it's all about the the victim hierarchy. And as a transgender, non-white male, he is all the way at the top. He's at the tippy tippy top of the victim hierarchy, and there's he can do whatever he wants. He can literally do whatever he wants and you cannot criticize any of it to even to the point of fracturing a woman's skull and bragging about it number two uh let's read from the daily wire eskimo pies has become the latest brand making an effort to change its image images following the outrage that ensued over aunt jemima syrup the frozen treat which is owned by parent company dryer's grand ice cream released a statement friday announcing it would change the name according to new york post uh, it says, we are committed to being a part of the solution on racial equality and recognize the term as derogatory. This move is part of a larger review to ensure our company and brands reflect our people values. Uh, along with the name change, the company will alter the treats marketing scheme, which traditionally featured a young boy dressed as an Eskimo in a snowy environment. Well, they just said it's a derogatory term and they use the term in, in their apology statement. They use the term they just said was derogatory. This is a derogatory term. We, we, we're never going to use it again. By the way, that, that picture of an Eskimo boy, we're going to change that too. Why is Eskimo derogatory? What's derogatory about it? Well, there's, there's nothing, of course, but this is this is how PC culture works. You just you you just randomly change the names of things and it becomes sort of a um, you know, it becomes sort of a a litmus test. That's the word I'm going for, the phrase I'm going for. It's a litmus test. If you're just to keep, we're going to randomly, arbitrarily change the names of things every, every you know, few years or so. Um, and it, if, if you're really woke and progressive, you're going to be up to date on the new terms. It's kind of like a, cu- a club. Do you know the, the secret passwords to get in? And uh, that's just, a, it's a good litmus test to know who the woke people are. And meanwhile, as we're doing this, um, we're also told that representation matters. That's the other slogan. So we're taking all these products where you've got minorities who are represented on the products and as the face of the product, and we're taking them off. It's the same thing they did with the Lando Lakes butter. They took the Native American woman off the butter. So isn't that less representation? How is this an improvement by their own logic? Number three, a statue of Teddy Roosevelt is being removed from the Natural History Museum in New York. Mayor Bill de Blasio said in a statement, the American Museum of Natural History has asked to remove the Theodore Roosevelt statue because it explicitly depicts black and indigenous people as subjugated and racially inferior. The city supports the museum's request. It is the right decision and the right time to remove this problem, this problematic statue. This statue is so causing so many problems. What, how many, what problems is it actually causing? It's a statue. It's just sitting there. It's been sitting there for 80 years, stationary. Hasn't hurt anybody as far as I know. This is not like Night at the Museum where it comes to life and, and, and stabs somebody. Just sitting there. Just a statue. But the important thing here is, um, you know how we've been told for so long that, oh, we're not trying to get rid of the statues. We just, we're going to put them in a museum and, and, and they could be there. We don't need them in the middle of the town square. We could just put them in the museum. So this isn't about erasing history. No, we're going to put everything in a museum. And they circle back around and say, oh, by the way, that stuff in the museum, that's got to go too. 
So it's very similar to what the left does with religious liberty, where for so long they they were trying to remove religion from the public square and telling you you can't practice your religion in the public square or or run your business according to your religious beliefs, as the Masterpiece Cake Shop owner discovered. But what they always said was, no, we're not trying to get rid of religion. No, 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 don't be silly. We're just saying you should do it in a church. You see? Because we we get to decide that. We get to decide. Siri's talking to me again. Shut up, Siri. Um, we get to decide, as leftists, we get to decide where you do these things. For some reason, we're not going to explain why we have that, right? We just do. But then, what do they do? They circle back, back around and say, yeah, actually, that's it's not really appropriate in a church either. So it's the same thing here. And eventually you hope that the right kind of catches on at some point. It's been decades. Maybe at some point the conservative movement will catch on and realize what the strategy is. Because how many conservatives have gone along with this? With the Confederate monuments or anything else and said, yeah, they're right. They're, no, they're being reasonable. They're being totally, they're, yeah, they're, you, you've got crazed mobs tearing down statues, setting them on fire, throwing them in lakes. But they're being reasonable. This is a reasonable thing. They they just want they want it in a museum. Yeah, it's at the bottom of a lake now. But we just got to dig it out. We got to you know bring in uh, bring in some equipment, drag it out of the lake, put it in a museum. That's all they're trying to do. They meant to put it in a museum, but they they accidentally dropped it in a lake on the way. They were they were bringing it to the museum on the way. On the way, they accidentally set it on fire and threw it in a lake. You see, so many conservatives just love being duped. It's almost, I, I, I'm convinced it's almost a fetish or something for them at this point. They, they, they love being duped, lied to, abused. It's, it's getting creepy. It's weird at this point. No. No. This, it's, it's always a lie. It's always incremental. Okay, we're getting rid of this. We're moving it here. Oh, it can't be there. Oh, we're going to move it over here. Can't be there either. We're going to move it here. On and on until it ends up at the bottom of the lake. Now, uh, I want to read this report to you from Yahoo News. There are a few things in this that are, that are interesting. Uh, reading from Yahoo News, headline is, A search for answers after deputies kill brother of black man found hanging from tree. It says, uh, Teron Boone was distraught when his youngest brother was found hanging from a tree in a park near uh, Palmdale City Hall last week. The manner of death of the 24-year-old Robert Fuller evoked ugly images of the nation's racist legacy of lynchings and sparked outrage when Los Angeles County coroners and sheriff's officials quickly listed it as a suicide. Protests generated national attention and prompted local authorities to involve state and federal investigators. Taking a time out here just on this, uh, there have been a couple of cases recently of black men found hanging from trees. And what, what the media and Democrats are doing with these cases is grotesque even by their demonic standards. The reason why these are quickly categorized as suicides is because suicides are unfortunately very common in America and law enforcement officials deal with them all the time. And if something is a suicide, most of the time, it's really obvious right away. The difference between a suicide and someone being murdered, it's really clear to forensic investigators and they can tell quickly. That's why. This is not, that's not a conspiracy. Um, so when, when you find someone hanging, 
it's a terrible, uh, very disturbing, sad, tragic thing, of course. But oh, yes, the, unless there is very good evidence that this person was was murdered that way, there's no reason to assume it. And considering death by, not only is suicide extremely common, tragically common, but death by hanging is one of the most common forms of suicide. So that's why. These are suicides. Yet, you've got the media and Democrats. I mean, Kamala Harris sent out a tweet. Uh, a lot of Democrats have. But implying, implying that there, you know, there could, there's something else going on here. What, what, else, what even is the theory if it's not a suicide, are you saying that there are gangs of uh, literal lynch mobs forming and killing people and nobody notices? It, it doesn't get on, there's no footage of it. No one catches it on camera. That's, that's not really something that can be done discreetly. Now, suicide, again, tragically, is done discreetly all the time. It's, it's always done discreetly, almost always anyway, because if that's how it happens. Otherwise, someone would have stopped it. So, yes, yeah, suicide is what you would expect. What you expect is, you know, you just, someone commits suicide and, and, and you stumble upon the carnage, right? With a, with a lynch mob, that is not at all what you would expect. So unless there's really, really good evidence that these were not suicides, the assumption obviously is going to be that it's a suicide. Anyway, um, back to the article says, uh, then on Wednesday, exactly a week after his brother's body was found, Boone 31 was shot and killed by Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies in what authorities describe as a wild shootout in this desert town north of Palmdale. The shooting ended a bizarre series of events in which authorities accused Boone of pistol whipping, imprisoning, and threatening a former girlfriend over a week-long period. It's unclear what, if any, connection Boone's shooting had to his brother's death, and many questions remain. Now, I want to get to what a, a, an activist who's protesting all of this. So you've got, here's what we have, a suicide and then someone getting into a shoot, committing a series of horrible crimes and then getting into a shootout with cops and dying. There's, there's really nothing here to protest. There's plenty to mourn. There's plenty to be very sad about. There's nothing to protest. What are we protesting? Well, Isabel Flax, a 24-year-old activist from Lancaster, said at a new, news conference on uh, Thursday morning, Demanding justice for Fuller, she said, another name. Who wants another name? Another hashtag. Tehran, his brother, another name. Who cares the circumstance? It doesn't even matter what he did anymore. It doesn't matter what they do anymore. It does not matter. Doesn't matter what they do. So if if so you're saying that if this man got into a shootout with cops and was shooting at them. And he's shot and he's killed in the process. It's still an outrage. And that doesn't matter. We have reached a point. Okay, this is the point we've reached. Where any time a police officer kills a black man. Under any circumstance. it She said it herself. Under It is always racism. Doesn't matter. They, they could be shooting at the cops. This could be clear self-defense. Gunfire being exchanged. It's racism. In order for the cop to not be racist, he would have to drop his gun and just offer himself up to be killed. This, again, is not hyperbole. This is what you just heard from the activist. Doesn't matter the circumstance. Absolute lunacy. 
Five, finally, there was a Trump rally in Tulsa over the weekend. Uh, you probably heard about that. There's a lot of controversy about the crowd size and about the, the, you know, Trump said whatever Trump said and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? Don't care about any of that. Instead, what I'm focusing on is something that happened right before Trump came out at the rally. This is really the headline, in my opinion. Watch this. This is why John Lithgow had the right idea in Foot, Footloose. Um, dancing should be banned. That's always been my position. And I think right there you see the ramifications, the catastrophe that can ensue if you allow dancing willy-nilly. Now, I want to make clear, under my regime, um, it's not that nobody will ever be allowed to dance. I wouldn't do that. That would be, you know, I'm not a tyrant. Well, I am, but. I'm not this. I'm not saying you can't have dancing. For me, it, only licensed professionals will be allowed to dance. And to get a license, you'll have to submit an application, a resume, uh, an audition video, which I will review, and then you'll you'll obtain a license. But the license will only be good for one one episode, one bout of dancing. Uh, and then and then if you want to dance again, you'll have to go through the review process again. So if you're at a wedding reception, let's say, and you want to dance to, you know, let's say six different songs, you can dance to one, go through the light, the licensing process again, dance to the other. And so wedding receptions will take probably uh, seven or eight weeks to be done once all the red tape is cleared and everything. Um, all right, let's move to daily cancellation. Actually, before we do, there's one other thing I forgot to mention. So we'll do, this is a bonus, bonus headline here. I did, I just, I did want to just uh, touch on this briefly. Uh, this is the, a tweet from the AP, which went out this morning. It says, NASCAR says a noose was found in the garage stall of Bubba Wallace at a NASCAR race in Alabama. Wallace, the only full-time black driver in NASCAR's Elite Cup Series, successfully pushed for NASCAR to ban the Confederate flag at its track and properties. So they're saying a noose was found there. Look, I don't know the specifics of this, but what we do know is that these stories about nooses are almost always hoaxes. I, I can't think of a recent example that wasn't a hoax. I'm not saying there hasn't been a just I can't think of one. Maybe there's been a couple, but uh, vast majority. When you hear about a when you hear a story about a noose, you hear a story about a racist note left on a receipt, you hear a story about racist graffiti, almost always hoaxes. Vast majority of cases in, in recent history are hoaxes. So the assumption is going to be. Contrary to, we played that the clip of the Oakland mayor last week saying that we should just assume hate crime from the beginning. Contrary to that, actually, we should do the opposite. We should assume it's not a hate crime. We should assume it's a hoax until good evidence is given to the contrary. And so with this, um, you know, I maybe it happened, but much, much greater chance of it being a hoax or some kind of, I don't know, or misinterpretation of something else or who knows. But to assume this, and by the way, there's going to be, this is a NASCAR garage, so there's going to be cameras all over the place. Whatever happened, we'll know in short order. Okay, let's go to our daily cancellation. Today we are canceling, and actually before we do that, I have to stop one more time um, and tell you about the Daily Wire Reader's Pass. If you're not already a Daily Wire member, you should consider getting a Reader's Pass to dailywire.com. It's a great value for only $3 a month. And uh, when you sign up, you get the first month for only 99 cents. 
You also get access to our mobile app, articles ad-free, and you can access exclusive editorials like this one. For example, this is the latest one that I have up. White privilege is a myth. Here's how privilege really works in America. A lot of reaction to that. Uh, much of it, at least on social media, has been extremely negative. So if you want to see what all the fuss is about, you can get a Reader's Pass and read that. If you haven't checked out the Reader's Pass already, go to dailywire.com and sign up for just a buck. All right, daily cancellation. Today we're canceling Brett Favre, and we're canceling him for this. Do you look at Colin Kaepernick? You know, people look at him, and it's like a, a Jackie Robinson or a Muhammad Ali. I, is Colin Kaepernick someone that belongs in Canton someday for what he did? Obviously, he led a team to a Super Bowl, but also for all he's done off the field. Um, boy, that's – I suppose that he, he is, he's helped this cause tremendously and uh, is deserving of, of much praise and, and respect because it's not easy for a guy his age, black or white, Hispanic, whatever, to stop something that you've always dreamed of doing and put it on hold, maybe forever, for something that you believe in. You know, I can only think of right off the top of my head, Pat Tillman's another guy who did something, you know, similar. And um, and we regard him as a hero. So I, I, I assume uh, that hero status will, will be – stamped with with Kaepernick as well oh Brett you had you you just had to and I this probably this was part of an interview with TMZ I I don't know what else happened in the interview I assume he didn't come on just to talk about Kaepernick or racial issues at all but it you know it if you're someone like like Brett Favre if you're an athlete or and, and you're not and you don't want to get involved in this stuff, you just have to not do any interviews at all because you're going to get asked. And if you don't have the cojones to speak the truth, then I would just, I, I, I would decline all interview requests if I was someone like Brett Favre because then this is what happens. Saying that Kaepernick is a hero on the level of Pat Tillman, there's no way he believes that. And you can tell even while he's saying it, he doesn't believe it. You can tell even in his face, while he's saying it, he doesn't believe it, and he wishes he wasn't saying what he's currently saying. First of all, to this idea that Kaepernick was some kind of great player uh, and could come back to football after four years and be effective, let's remember that, that he discovered his passion for social justice once his star had already faded after a pretty abysmal 2015 campaign where uh, he lost six out of eight games that he played. He posted only six touchdowns against five interceptions. Um, he's been out of the league since 2016. The same year that that you know the anthem protest started, he went one in ten that season. Went something like two thousand passing yards, maybe sixteen touchdowns. Uh, got beat out for the starting job by Blaine Gabbert. So he was not a good football player. He wasn't the worst. He was like he's mediocre, pretty bad, but mediocre. Four years later, he's he's not going to be better. You don't mediocre football players don't leave football and come back four years later better. Michael Vick was the biggest star in the NFL. He left for two years because he was in prison. He came back and was was really good for like two years, but then he fell off the face of the earth after that. Um, but he was, as I said, the star of the whole league. And he was also, I think, younger when he came back. And he was only gone for two years. Colin Kaepernick is not. Colin Kaepernick, was with, with his style of play, was like a generic Michael Vick. Um, Michael Vick without the same athleticism, without the arm strength. 
So he's not going to come back and be any good. That's why he's not getting a job. Because he's going to be mediocre at best. That, that's that's the most you could possibly... In a, in a miracle situation, he would be mediocre. Even that's probably not going to happen. So if you're, if you're an NFL team, you're going to take on a guy who's not going to be good. At, at best, he's a second string or third string. He's bringing all this drama and baggage with him. All of the wrong kind of attention because you're trying to play football. You're not. You're not. You're not looking to be the center of some sort of controversy and everything. Um, and you know that if he doesn't get the starting job, you're going to be accused of being racist. And if you give him the starting job and he's terrible, and he loses ten games again, and you try to bench him, you're going to be called racist. No matter what you do, you're racist. So from a coach's perspective, why in the world would you ever hire this guy? And I say all of that, and we know he is now going to get hired by someone because the NFL is going to force some team to do it. We know that's going to happen. Um, as for him being a hero like Pat Tillman, I mean, Pat Tillman left football and died serving his country overseas. So he gave up football and in exchange died. He gave up his life. What what did Kaepernick get in exchange for giving up football. Pat Tillman got death, okay? Kaepernick got um, adulation and praise from all over the media and the left and, and Hollywood and everything, uh, which, he's, which he's still alive to enjoy. Uh, he got more fame. And, oh, yeah, he got multi-millions of dollars. I mean, he's making tens and tens of millions of dollars, largely on the basis of being this uh, social justice hero, supposed hero. So no, it, this is not a sacrifice like Pat Tillman. But then again, I don't, I, I don't need to sit here explaining why Brett Favre is wrong because Brett Favre knows why he's wrong, and yet is just saying this anyway because he feels like he has to. And that's why Brett Favre is canceled. We have another situation of he did something to avoid being canceled, but he's getting canceled anyway. Granted, from his perspective, you know he'd probably be rather, rather be canceled by me, a podcast host, than by you know all of the media and Hollywood and, and, and uh, millions of people. He, he'd probably prefer to get this cancellation that I'm doling out, but um, still, in principle, for the principle of it, for the record, he is canceled. And uh, we will leave it there. Thanks, thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.